0: Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, these are familiar verses, are they not? I I would imagine you've heard many messages preached from this. Um, I know I have in my uh, time of being in church. Um, And yet... um, there's so much that can be gleaned from, from these verses. And, and in fact, the book of Hebrews is rich and full of great truth about our Savior. And I want us to focus in on chapter 12. And I'm going to look at verse 1 primarily, but also verse 2. And I want to title this message, Why Must I Run? You ever, I asked that question early on. Have you ever felt where at times in life... Uh, the trials and the tests that come your way, you begin to just falter a little. Now, I I know this may be hard to believe, so you just got to use your imagination. But when I was younger, I actually ran track. I turned sideways and it might hit you better. Um, I was much thinner um, and in much better shape. I mean, this is a shape, but not the shape you want to be in. And I used to run track, and I also wrestled a little. Now, now I could fall on people and hurt them, but when when I was wrestling, I was in like the ultra-lightweights. I mean, uh, you know, I weighed about 128 pounds, and and that was when I was wet, you know. And so, um, and I was tall and lanky, so... um, that helped in wrestling, but in in running, uh, I had long legs, and so that was a benefit um, But I never did participate in any of the short races. I was always involved in the in the longer uh, relays and endurance races now i didn 't ever run any five ks or anything like that, um, but when I ran track, I, I ran with others, and usually they would use me to set the pace because I had long legs and so I could run fast, but I didn't have to run really fast, like to try to be the last leg of the relay. Um, So they put me out there first or second so I could set the pace. And so I would just stretch out my legs and just run, just run and just stay steady. Um, And... We're all involved in the spiritual sense. We're involved in a race. The Bible is using that metaphorically here—that we're in a race. But in reality, all of us in this world—we're in some—we're in a race. It's called the rat race. But um, but we are we are in that that constant movement, aren't we? In life, it just always is. We're always pushing forward for the next thing. Um. When I ran in in track and field, and and you've also witnessed this, I'm sure, in watching these longer endurance races, the marathons, uh, I've been told that the longer you run those marathons, and if you uh, are are particularly having issues near, near the end, that your legs can literally become where they just start to shake, they vibrate, your body is tired in it, and you've pushed it to its limit. And you've watched those runners as they can see the finish line and you can see them begin to lag. And they don't, have that, they don't have that strong step. In fact, they start, they're wobbling. I've watched where runners have fallen and they've crawled across the finish line because they cannot get their legs to take another step. And that's kind of what I'm wanting to to envision tonight. Are you in a place or have you been in a place where you ask yourself, why must I run? Why do I have to run the the Christian race? And I think that's a legitimate question. Because we all face issues and trials and times in our lives where we just wear out. Where you think I, I I just I I can't I can't go, I can't take another step. I've watched in a, in Olympic races where runners have have approached the finish line and they they are so tired and weary and they fall over and then a fellow runner comes alongside and grabs them up and in some cases, drags them with them across the finish line. And you almost, you just want to stand up and scream because it's, that's, that's sportsmanship at its best. But I want you, if you would, if you have a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen, something to write this down, I want you to write down the title that I just gave you. Why Must I Run? And you can either put a question mark at the end of that or if it's an exclamation, why, why must I run? Exasperation. You can put either one of those punctuation marks at the end. And then I want us to read together Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And then we're going we're to do something with that title. And then I'm going to focus in on that and give you some encouragement tonight for our race. The race that you are asking questions. Why must I run? All right, so have you got that written down? All right, now turn your attention to the scriptures and let's look at chapter 12, verse one. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race That is set before us. That's a lot of uses of the word us, isn't it? Uh, That that in itself ought to give you a little bit of hope and encouragement that you're not running this race by yourself. There are others that are probably feeling or have felt or will feel like you're feeling about the running this race. That it's difficult. That it's not easy. But look at verse 2 looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That verse right there is full of encouragement. And so it gives us some very clear purpose about this race that we're, Attempting to run. That God says we're supposed to be running as believers. That we're, as Paul said, pressing towards the mark. There was a reason why he was doing that. He had a goal in mind. He could see the end and knew that it would be worth the effort. So now here, look at your page again as you've written down that that title. And here's what I want you to do. Below that title, I want you to write, Why? underneath the word why, and then switch the two next words. Just replace one in front of the other and then put the last word in that title and it should, your, your page should read at the top, why must I run? And it should read now, why I must run. See how that changes? You might be exasperated and weary tonight, but I want to show you from scripture, just from these two simple verses, some simple points that will give you an, a, a, a perspective that will change the reason why you are running. So I want us to look at this first verse. Number one, the question is, we have been given the command, run the race. Run the race. Now, what that means is he's talking to those who know Christ as their personal savior. And you're in the race, not for yourself, but you're in the race as, 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 for eternity's sake. You're running a race so that you, like, like what we're going to look at in just a moment, can be the pace setter for others. And the question is, are you in the spiritual race that's being talked about here? That's the first very important question. Are you in the race? Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you had a point in time in your life where you've trusted and believed and trusted the record of God's Word and asked Christ to come into your heart because you recognized you were a sinner and incapable of doing anything to save yourself and you believed God and trusted Him and took Him by faith and received Him in your life and now you have eternal peace? I will tell you this tonight. If you don't, you can. You can get in the race. Now, we're all running a race, but if you're running a race in the flesh, you are going to wear out. You are going to fail. And the Bible clearly says that outside of Christ, you have no hope of finishing your course well. In fact, you're headed for destruction. So tonight, I want to encourage you, number one, are you in the spiritual race? Have you entered into the race through Jesus Christ and accepted his gift of salvation. I would tell you tonight, if you haven't, then don't wait for the rest of these points. Get it right, right now. If you don't know Christ, come right down here. I will set you up with someone that can show you from the Bible how you can know you're on your way to heaven. You know what? There would be no greater, greater crowd of excited individuals than right here. If somebody came down and said, I don't know Christ, but I need to. In fact, I think there would be about four or five people that would be scrambling to have the privilege to be the one to share the gospel with them. And I'm telling you, it'd be better than a Braves home run in this room. We would be cheering and rejoicing. And if we had fireworks, we'd set them off. Are you in the race? If you are. And the Bible says we must be in the race. And then you've got to recognize a couple of things. And th- this is, these are kind of obvious in this kind of a race. It, it's not a sprint. But it's a marathon. This is a race that has to be run for your entire life. However long or short that may be. The race requires Endurance. And I will tell you this, that by by running in the flesh, you will not have the endurance it requires to run a faithful race in Christ. And in fact, in Christ is the only way you have endurance and strength to run this race. Because our strength is found in Christ. All right. So now let's look at this verse again. And I want you to look closely at a couple of things as we read the verse once again. You ask this question, why must I run? The first title of this message. Why must I run? Well, there are some reasons. Look at this. Wherefore seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us. And I'm going to stop right there. You can run this race and you can run it encouraged. Encouraged. You can run this race encouraged. Why? Why must I run? Because. Here's some because reasons why you must run the race. Number one, it's because of those who have run before us. They completed their course. And that's what Paul said. I've run my course. I've kept the faith. He completed that course. See, these we're not in competition with these. We're not to compare ourselves to those that are in that great hall of faith that have completed their run. We are to look at that and be encouraged because they are examples to us. They, they cause us to say, all right, we're encompassed with a great host of those who have already run their race. And they're not up there in the bleachers, idly sitting by, but they are encouraging us, cheering us on. Do you, do you understand how, how, well, I know you do, because when, when somebody encourages you or, or is your cheerleader, it, it does something to you, doesn't it? When you're, you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And you walk and your arms are hanging, your shoulders are rounded over. Now, that's not a person that's encouraged. They're tired. But then somebody come along and say, you can do this. I'll, I'll go along with you if I have to. You can do this. Trust God and his promises. And that person will. All right, all right, all right, all right. And they are Encouraged. By someone else who comes alongside. And says I've run through this part of the course. and Boy it's tough. But you can do it. You're going to make it. In fact my Savior. Has run this very course. And you know what? The Bible tells me. He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Right now. He made it. And you can too. So one of the reasons we can run the race and that we must run the race is because we can run encouraged by those who have run before us. But we can also run the race by those who are running with us. This room is filled tonight with fellow athletes. Even though we don't look like it, we're all running the race. And if you are here tonight and you know Christ, you're running for eternity's sake. You're not running in competition with, but alongside of. And the Bible tells us that God, uh, through through the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, runs with us and is with us at all times. We're filled with His strength, His power, His capability. I cannot do it? That is true. But through the grace of the Holy Spirit, I can. And because I've been given that glorious command from the Heavenly Father, who has already had his son complete the course, I can say I can run. I must run. Because I know the others have completed their course, and I know there are others that are going to complete the course with me. We press towards the mark together. I will tell you this, that that's why fellowship in the church is so vital and important. That's why encouragement comes from the body when you're together. The Bible says to bear one another's burdens. And you know what? That is a command and it's also an encouragement. Because when we get together and we see that person walking with long arms and shoulders rounded, we know, hey, they've had a rough time. They might be running the course that, that I've already run. They might be facing some obstacles you know what we're supposed to do as fellow brothers and sisters we're supposed to go alongside of them and say hey you okay you a little weary can i help mm-hmm. that's the encouragement of the believer we we are to edify one another unto good works not to to discourage them to do nothing more they may want to sit on the bench, but you're not in the race if you're sitting on the bench. So we want to encourage you, stay in the race. Don't, don't get out of your lane. Stay in your lane. You've got a course to run. So we run because the ones, those that have run before us, those we're running with. And then what about those that are going to run behind us? You see, the witnesses that are talked about here in Hebrews, they're examples. They're the ones we watch. They're the ones we pattern our course after. They're the ones that give us the courage to take another step. And then those that come alongside us that are panting, breathing hard, just like we are. How are you doing? Oh, I don't know. I'm struggling. Well, hang in there. Let's run together. And that encourages you and motivates you. But then what about those that are watching us as wit- they're, that we're their witnesses? We're going to watch their run. What about your children, your grandchildren, and the children and young people and others that are not as mature as you in this church that are running the same race for the, with the same goal in mind, but they're right behind you. They're right on your heels. And you're just running all you can. And then suddenly you just say, okay, I'm done. Wouldn't that not be a weird Olympics? Right in the middle of one of those great races and it's close neck and neck, and suddenly with the guy in the front just says, yeah, okay. And he walks off, goes out of the stadium. Now the guy in second place would say, wonderful. He'd look behind him and say, hey, you guys want to follow him? It would make the race easy, wouldn't it? He would win hands down. But that's not the way you run a race. That's not way, the way you win a race. You have to endure. You have to press on. So in, these, in this first verse, the reasons, one of the reasons, three of the reasons why we must run is we have those that encourage us, they've already run the race. Those who are running the race with and alongside of, not only do they encourage us, but we are to encourage them. And then thirdly, those who are running behind us. We must be faithful to complete our course. Now, when we talk about these witnesses, the Bible isn't asking us to compare ourselves to the way they ran their race. God wants you to run your own race. So what is it that we're looking at? Well, you know, those witnesses, they believed God. They believed the record of God's word. Some of them held to the truth that Jehovah God was going to bring them through. And we read the, t- the testimony of some of those great saints of old that believed God in spite of what they could see or could not see. In spite of what the course was planned for them. Do you remember Abraham? And he was asked to do the unthinkable? I mean, really, that is an unthinkable thought in your mind that you would actually sacrifice your own child. But what does the Bible say about him? He believed God. He believed God and he did well, didn't he? Noah, do you think Noah saw the, all the hazards and curves in his course? When God said, build an ark, build a what? An ark, build a what? 120 years worth of building and preaching and nobody believed him? Now we would say, man... We don't want that guy to come fill our pulpit. His ministry is complete failure. He had a huge building program. Nobody's going to go into there. Nobody's coming alongside and said, okay, oh, no, uh, I want to join that. They're, they're mocking him. And yet he stayed faithful and he finished his course. The Apostle Paul, he lists out all the things he went through in the course of running his race. That many of us would have given up a long time ago. In fact, at times he was given up for dead. And yet, he pressed on. He was faithful. So ought that not give us encouragement when we see that and say, but, but, but I'm going through this. They are but for a moment in the perspective of the shepherd. And in that song, did you notice the shepherd picked the sheep up at one point and put him on his shoulders? And everything changed. How many times have you gone to God and, and literally let Him give you His perspective instead of going to God and saying, God, I want you to do it. See it my way. I want you to do it my way. I want you to look at it. God, don't, can't, you, can't you tell that this is the way it needs to be? I can see it. I've had other people complain and say they can see it too. But it's not God's perspective. It's not their course to run. God's given us a specific race to complete. So as we look further into these verses, we see a lot of things. We're not to compare ourselves to someone else's race. Well, they seem to have it so easy. They don't seem to struggle. They clear the hurdles without even trying. I've caught my toe on every one I've tried to go over. I just don't think I can go on. And that's a lie from Satan. You see, there are things, the Bible clearly says here, there are things that we let get into our lives or on us that weigh us down. Now I, I don't want to be crude here, but but in in the Greek games, the original games, did you know that women were not even allowed to come and watch the men race because they wore no clothes? Talk about casting off any weight. So the women weren't allowed to watch. But but when it says cast aside any weight, that was literal in those Greek games, in those early games, that they meant it. Now today's races are almost close to that. Um, I think they need to go back the other way, maybe add on some things. Um, but you know, all that material and everything they wear is made so that it does not resist the wind. It's light, feather light from shoes to to what they wear, even how they wear their hair. You ever watch those guys in those bike races? They have those helmets that are rounded in the front and they go to a peak in the back. That's because they don't want any wind causing a resistance. They want to go smoothly. We all want our race to run smoothly, don't we? But sometimes it just doesn't, does it? Sometimes there's weight On us. That's why I'm not a marathon runner today. You'll catch that. I may have to turn sideways again. It seems to be, you've seen it. But listen to this. We're not comparing our race to someone else or looking at them and saying, well, if they would just stop doing that, because we're not comparing ourselves. To them, but really what we're doing, what we should do, is we should should compare our God to what they say their God is. It makes a difference. It's perspective. You see, sin, we we can allow things to become weights that that really become godlike in our lives, they're more important than the race. They're more important to us, and we just don't want to lay it aside. But when we look at God for who He is and what He is and what He's capable of doing, and what He asks us to do is lay aside those weights. Lay aside those things, that which causes you to be weighted down and not run, at the the capacity that you are capable of. What can some of those things be? Well, what about tragedy? Tragedy can become something that will knock you out of the race. It's difficult, isn't it? And there's not a one of us in this room that don't know someone or have in our own lives faced something that is tragic. And I'm not going to be, I don't want to be unkind here, but I want you, I want to explain, I want to say something by way of explanation and I don't want you to hear it. So please, please listen. As I've read through scripture, I have found that God is not so much, now listen carefully. Don't go out of here and misrepresent what I said. I believe, as I've read through Scripture and I've read the events of individuals' lives, I don't think that God is so much interested in the struggle or the trial, but the response that we have in it. I'm not being unkind, please. But the Bible clearly says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. Each of us face these different things in our lives at different times in our lives and each are as tragic as the next because if it's in your life, it's tragic. You may look at someone else and go, that's no big deal. It's not as bad as mine. But that's not what we're asked to do. We're asked when we face these moments in our life that we still trust God. Because it can become to a point where you, you eliminate yourself from being effective in your race. It sidelines you. Now I know that if you are injured as an athlete, you have to stop and heal. That's necessary, isn't it? And I think in the spiritual sense, that is true too. But it doesn't mean you just stop your race altogether. You give your time, your your mind and your heart and your spirit time to heal and recuperate. And then you say, I must run. I must run. So tragedy can cause you to be sidelined. Trials would be similar to that, but trials that you're facing that you say, I don't understand why I'm even having to do, why am I going through this? And it can become, as a believer, it can become your identity, and that's all you can see. Boy, I tell you what, Sunday night, the message pastor preached was sobering and convicting by going through things, but not coming out smelling like smoke. Is that hard? Yes, it is. As I sat and listened to his message, I felt, I don't know if you felt this or sensed this, but I felt a holy hush go over the auditorium. And I thought to myself, this is a message everyone can identify with, no matter if you're a new believer or a mature believer, or if you're new to church, or if you've been in church all your life. This is what we desperately need to hear. But often, we as believers and individuals have a tendency to face something and that becomes all that we are. And that's all that we can think or talk about. And sometimes that's good because others can learn from that and be helped by that and encouraged by that. But if you run through that part of the course and you, you're always looking back at that particular part of the course, what's going to happen eventually to what you're headed towards? You know, one of the things they told me when I was, when I was running those races, the tendency was once you had that baton in your hand, you, you had that tendency to, where is my competitor? How close is the next guy behind me? And my coach looked at me and said, if you do that, I'm going to put you on the bench. Because he said, you cannot keep your eye on the prize if you're constantly looking backwards. You know, I believe one of those weights can be is past failure in your life. Is the devil dogging me? Is he going to get me again? And you keep looking back and looking back, but you're not looking at what you should be looking at, and that is Jesus Christ. He's the author. He writes out what we're supposed, to, our course is supposed to be, and he's the finisher. He has a completed course. But if we're looking back, we're not looking at what he wants us to be looking at. And you know what? You, wives, listen to me and answer. I want you to answer this. Have you been in the car with your husband or someone else? And they see something and they look at it? Do they continue straight down the road? You know what they do? And pretty soon it was, hey, get your eyes on the road. Oh, sorry. Or or, men, we go, I I got it. I, I got it under control. Which we really don't. We just scared everybody to death. That's what happens in our spiritual walk. If all we're focused on is our past and our past failures and our discouragements, we're like this. Pretty soon, we're just going to run right off the course altogether. You can't run very fast looking backwards. And I promise you, you're going to end up running into something that you ought not. God doesn't want that to happen to us. So don't look at past failures. Don't let difficulties, tragedies, and trials zero you in so tightly that that's all you can ever see because then you can't see God. It's like looking at a painting so close that all you can see is a couple of brush strokes on the canvas, but when you step away from that, you go, oh, there's a whole painting there. We get so focused. We can't see the big picture that God wants us to see so as you run your race run laying aside the weight of trials and temptations and tragedies and the past failures the devil wants you to live in the past and so that you'll so that you'll bench yourself you'll say i just i can't do it again and you you will eliminate yourself from the race And that's what the devil wants because then you're no threat. You're no threat to anybody else running the same race. You're out. What about triumphs? You say, wait a minute. We're talking about winning a race. You can't rest and rely on past victories. This race is one of a new race each and every day. There are goals and things we must achieve each and every day. The ultimate goal is to keep your eyes on Christ And keep your eyes on eternity, not temporal things, but eternity. So don't let the past triumphs become a weight either. And then the Bible describes sin. Well, any of those things that replace God in your focus, and you are more focused on that or you're being disobedient because you're not believing and trusting God, that is sin. And it adds that weight and doubt and mistrust And then you begin to falter. Fear, great fear overcomes great faith, but great faith overcomes great fear. Trust God in this race. And then finally, I want us to consider this. It says in these looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. God's completed his course. And he's waiting for us to cross the finish line. In fact, God's going to sound a trumpet and we're all going to cross the finish line that know Christ. Jesus Christ on the cross said, it is finished. He had come, gave his life willingly for us. And when he completed his course, God was pleased. And it provided us a way to get into the race and run faithfully and complete our course. Why? Because we have the author and finisher of our faith and we look, the Bible says, look to him. Don't look at your past. Don't look at what's going on right now in your life. Don't rely on past victories. Look to Jesus. He's the one that's charting your course. And he's the one that's going to, has already finished writing it. And he's the one that's going to cause you to complete it. The Bible says that that when he begins a good work, he's going to be faithful to complete it until that day. He's not failed yet. So keep your eyes on Jesus. And run with the right thing in mind. You're not running for the temporary. You're running for that which is eternal. I'm going to have Lily come and sing, close in a song, and I want you to listen to these words. And it's, it, I guess I' will just kind of call it a, like an invitation hymn. Uh, and I just want you to listen to the words. And if you are struggling in your race, maybe you've taken your eyes off of the prize, which is Christ. There's joy in serving Jesus.